all ready to get started, you think? Yes, no, maybe? How about this? Yep. Click yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know the drill and you know where the yes, no buttons are, click yes if you're ready to go. There we go. If you don't know the drill, you're about to get the uh, quick tutorial. So we're going to get started here. Uh, we have a target of trying to keep this thing to an hour because I know a lot of folks are busy. So thanks for joining us for this week's remote weekly business forum with ABC Western Washington. Uh, today we're going to be talking about safety practices for essential projects. So essentially, we're in a world now where, where there's a new hazard and we need to make sure for the folks who are actually performing work on, on those essential projects. They're doing that with, with this new safety risk in mind. So we have a couple of industry experts we're gonna be talking to, a uh, couple of housekeeping elements. Last week we talked about, what did we talk about last week? Well, so we should start with some Zoom, mm -hmm. some quick Zoom tips. Yep. So most of us are becoming experts at Zoom pretty quickly, mm -hmm. but uh, some of us are using Teams and stuff instead. So if you're new with us, uh, a little bit about Zoom. Uh, so if you have any questions about getting Zoom to work or registration, you can always email Janessa. You can find her at the ABC site. Uh, you can mute and unmute yourself. Once you have actually clicked on the mute, well, let's actually start there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a Zoom control bar, which you can see if you hover your mouse over the screen where you're looking at a video of us right now, you'll see a Zoom control bar. It's probably at the bottom of that screen. Uh, you can click on participants and that'll give you a little window that shows you everybody who's with us today. That's also where the yes, no buttons are if we ask you to answer with a show of yes or no. Uh, you can click the chat and you can see the group chat. Uh, it doesn't always get used that much, but mm -hmm. if anybody's typing in the chat or if anyone has links to provide us or anything like that, that's where you'll find those things. Mm -hmm. uh, Janessa has asked that we have everybody please share your full name first and last. That helps us all see each other and know who everyone is. So if your name is currently set up to be just one name, just your first name, you can go in that participants window. You can click on, is it right click? Uh, if you hover over your name, you'll see a more button to the right, a blue more button. And you can click that, click rename, and you can type your full name first and last to help everybody know who you are. Oh, I see Tony just did it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So that is a little bit about that. Um, you can unmute yourself at any time throughout this session. We will be muting people. We'll mute everybody every so often when it gets a little noisy. So if you realize you've been muted by us, that doesn't mean we don't want you to speak. Feel free to unmute yourself at any point in time that you want to actually talk. Mm -hmm. So also, let's say by a show of yes or no, who followed that? Are you able to find the yes button? So if so, click the yes button and we should get a pretty good indication of how many folks are, are ready to go. I'm seeing lots of, I no, see one no, because we always Alec. get a smart out yeah. every time. Uh, and also feel free to make use of the chat feature. So if you have a question or you want to mm -hmm. weigh in on a conversation that we're having, you have a question uh, specifically about the topic or want to know more, just add it to the chat window. And if you type something in that chat window, a question for us to direct to one of our experts, mm -hmm. um, if you, if a little time goes by and a lot's going on in that window, feel free to post it again if mm -hmm. we're not getting to it quickly, because uh, we do our best to keep up with all the questions that go through there, but once in a while we do get a little behind. So, so. a few weeks ago, we had Jason Jackson on and he wanted to, to share one correction to a comment mm -hmm. that he had made related to the CARES Act. Mm -hmm. So we had a question about uh, whether and whether owners draw payments were considered part of that payroll calculation or part of the forgiveness element. And he at that time had said he believed that the answer was no. Uh, and in fact, he has since discovered that it looks like that is kind of part of that payroll conversation or can be depending on uh, up to a hundred thousand. Yeah, up to a hundred thousand. So again, there there are bits and pieces of that. So you absolutely want to ask questions about it rather mm -hmm. than just run ahead with that. But it is something that you should ask about because apparently that is a possibility. Yep. Great. And I see Travis Brock just uh, walked in here. So that's great. So if we could get everybody to share their video as well. So not everybody gets the chance to see lots of shining faces like this. So the more mm -hmm. folks that are participating that way, we appreciate that. One bonus of this is that we all get to see each other. So I think we're about ready to get started. Ready to rock? I'm ready. Okay. Can I introduce our experts? Uh, sure. So let's go to uh, Glenn Kuntz first. So we have Glenn Kuntz from Tecton Group. 
So Glenn, if you could just share a couple of words about who you are, what you do, uh, and, and what you're going to help us through today. Uh, I'm the safety director for Tecton. Formerly, I was been with two other companies, um, Deacon Construction and Compass Construction, well, and a third in um, uh, CDK Construction Services. I've mm -hmm. uh, been in safety for over a little over 20 years, been with ABC about 20 years. Great. And uh, we have uh, about 88 uh, employees. Most of them are Spanish-speaking uh, employees. So it's quite a challenge we have, but it seems to be working well. Great. Uh, Tony, I think everybody knows Tony and Croce from ABC. Just give us a, a wave and a smile there, Tony. What do you think? <laughs> there you got it. Yeah, there he is. Beautiful. All right. And then we have... Uh, David Bain from Aspire Consulting. So David, if you would just weigh in and share a little bit about uh, your expertise. Yep, uh, so our company Aspire, we manage the workers' compensation uh, for the ABC Retro Group and I am the safety and loss control specialist. So okay. I'm all and about then, culture and leadership when it comes to safety. Perfect, and uh, Rhett Carpenter from Safety Health and Environmental Services. Services. Rhett, I see you have a guest there too. Yeah, uh, yeah, kind of in the name, a safety consultant uh, providing services throughout the uh, Pacific Northwest and beyond, and uh, been a member with ABC for, boy, 15 years or so, maybe, maybe more, so 15 or 16 years, so glad to see everybody. Mm -hmm. And Travis Brock, can you, uh, can you share your video? So we have Travis Brock here from Shield of Armor Safety. You might be multitasking right now, so <laughs> maybe we'll have to come back to him. Okay, so uh, we're, we're, we want to share a little bit of the uh, state of affairs right now with regard to where we're at in the world. It seems like news has been slowing down a little bit, which is fantastic. It seems like everybody can catch their breath. So what's changed since last week? I think it was since last week that they extended the stay home, stay healthy order mm -hmm. until May 6th. Yeah, so that was a new piece of information that we basically have a, at least one more month to, to live in this current reality. It's interesting uh, world. Businesses are starting to put in for the CARES Act uh, PPP uh, programs and uh, we're hearing kind of mixed results from that. Yeah, that had a little bit of a bumpy rollout. Mm -hmm. So one piece of advice that we would give to you is that on day one, that was last Friday, mm -hmm. uh, when they first opened applications to some of the, those assistance programs, a lot of people got told that they couldn't go through their bank that they already had or that um, their bank maybe wasn't sure that they were going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you got that no and you've been looking elsewhere, it could make sense to talk to your original bank again mm -hmm. because a lot of those banks have since changed their stance and are now letting people apply who they were not at first. So we bank with the evil empire, Bank of America, <laughs> and, and we have a business account, but we don't have a lending relationship with them uh, from a business standpoint. So B of A told us that unless we had an existing business account and lending relationship, then we wouldn't be allowed to participate with PPP through them, uh, which I was pissed, I was shocked, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, uh, but then I went back to my contact at the bank and they said they revised that to only require one or the other. So, so uh, they've been trying to figure that out as they're rolling it out. So yeah. if you haven't already applied, you yeah. might want to take a second look. Uh, again, if you need to know more details about how all that works, we've yeah. been talking about it for weeks, so watch some of the old videos. Uh, and then the next piece that we're diving into right now has to do with safety. So if you're working on an essential project or if you're, the work that you perform is deemed an essential service by the state of Washington, we need to make sure that we go through the process of thinking through, okay, it, it, just because you're on the essential list doesn't mean that there aren't extra requirements to be able to perform that work safely. It doesn't mean it's just business as usual pre-COVID. Right, and the way that I explain this or, or help folks get their heads around it is, is along these lines. Let's say you're, pretend, you're, you're performing work on a site and all of a sudden a 10-foot diameter sinkhole opens up in the center of the site, right? How many people by a show of yes or no think that you're just gonna keep working? Yes or no, what do you think? Just going to keep working. This gigantic <laughs> sinkhole opens up and, and threatens to swallow the whole job site. It's ridiculous to think that we can just keep doing business as usual. So it's important that we stop, 
right? We assess what that risk is. We develop a new protocol for how to work safely around this new hazard. We train our people to make sure that they're able to successfully manage that risk. And then we proceed carefully, especially in the beginning, as this new normal becomes uh, part of our, our daily routine. Uh, so we're, we're seeing on all different fronts, different levels of uh, energy being put into this effort by general contractors and owners and subcontractors. So that's what we want to talk a little bit about today in terms of how do we establish those new norms? What are some best practices that we should be following? And how do we make sure that we keep our workers safe, especially in the current environment? So between our, our panelists, I think maybe we could uh, start off with, with Glenn. Glenn, maybe you could give us a couple of words or a couple of pieces of advice. Uh, so we'll give each of the panelists just a minute to kind of give us some mm -hmm. tips, and then we'll go to Q&A yeah. and, and answer everyone's questions. So Glenn, what are your thoughts there? Oh, Glenn, you're muted. That's all right. <laughs> you're good. There we go. Yeah. We have a regular protocol for anyone coming on site. So we have quite an extensive checklist that we go through with each one of our employees on site. And if they answer yes to any of the uh, questions, then we go through another process. So our supervisors, as soon as they come through the gate, um, uh, have you had, are you or anyone in your family been in contact with persons that have tested positive with COVID-19? They answer <laughs> yes, and there's another process. Have you or any of your family been in contact with a person in the process? of being tested with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Have you or any of your family traveled outside the United States within the last two weeks? Mm -hmm. Have you been medically directed to self-quarantine due to uh, possible exposure to COVID-19? So these are these are questions, like a questionnaire that every worker has to answer when As entering the site? The, yes. Okay. And are you able to make that list uh, shareable? Is that a shareable document? Uh, I can get it. I can get it out there, but right, right now I just got it all written out. So, yeah. are you having troubles breathing, or have you had flu-like symptoms in the past 48 hours? Fever, cough, shortness of breath, sore throats, runny nose, uh, sniffles, body aches, chills, or fatigue? Yeah. So those are the basic questions we ask them when they come through the door. Then we have a whole other list of things they do if they answer yes to it. And, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of that that type of approach which i think is a, a good approach are we providing those in in uh, spanish as well or Absolutely. or in multiple languages yeah also got the spanish mm -hmm. yeah and i i think the uh, especially with many of the field folks who are, are coming to work we need to use as few words as humanly possible to keep it nice and simple and easy to to uh, read Right. Yeah, we have our translator, the Spanish translator. She stands there beside us as they come in. And then it's done both in English. If it's an English speaker, if it's Spanish, then we do it in Spanish. Got mm -hmm. it. That's great. Uh, right. And so are we uh, having them fill it out or are we asking them the questions? Just we ask the questions verbally. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good point, too, is that uh, making sure that we're getting that kind of face-to-face uh, -face, uh, as face-to-face as, face -face as we can be right now but that we're getting eyes on these people whether it's through zoom or in mm -hmm. person because having them fill the form out is great but sometimes someone doesn't look well and if they're on site and not looking well mm -hmm. someone on our team should see that and do something about it so let's let's uh, pass the ball to Rhett so Rhett what specifically are you seeing what are the specific concerns that we should be thinking about what are some best practices uh, for folks who are participating? Well, I think that Glenn hit a lot of those high points on the nose. Uh, I'd also like to refer to a plan that Tony developed, uh, which has extensive information, uh, has good format, uh, I think uh, could be transferable or, or distributed for any ABC members to utilize. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of people currently trying to figure out how they are going to do their tasks uh, if the uh, if the stay-at-home order is lifted and what that looks like because some of these tasks do require individuals to get within six feet of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just no other way to do it. So I see contractors or have contractors reaching out uh, asking uh, for assistance and plan development specific to a project Paramount as well uh, during this time uh, to determine what type of uh, decontamination facilities we need 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, could be something as simple as hand washings with uh, warm uh, water and soap. Uh, also, uh, our alcohol-based solutions, mm-hmm. uh, EPA-approved uh, disinfectants. Uh, all of these items are important to look at to see who is going to supply these and to what extent. Uh, some of the items that I see on the, the projects are wiping down uh, controls of equipment that are utilized between multiple personnel, also hand and power tools uh, we have to consider. Uh, but uh, all in all, the improving the hygiene of, uh, overall in any aspect that we can uh, is going to be advantageous across the board. Uh, great, thank you. And so we have a question that is, if if there's not, we don't have the ability to provide a hand washing station or it's just not feasible, do we think that sanitizer is sufficient in place of hand washing? Uh, or, or do we actually need hand washing stations with hot water? Brett, what do you think? Or Travis? Yeah, let's, go to, Travis? let's go to Travis. Because we haven't given Travis a chance well, to talk yet. Yes, how's it going? Sorry about that. I uh, are you able to share your video, Travis? I haven't been able to get my camera up. I'm not sure what's happening here. That's what okay. I was dealing with for a while. But okay. um, yeah, you know, as far as protocols on job sites for essential projects, we have been um, putting together a number of assessments and job hazard analysis that include those steps. I did sit through a seminar yesterday and talked a lot about for through L and I on hand washing and protocols regarding hand washing stations. So there are some contractors out there that actually have had some pretty great innovative strategies put together, built some portable hand washing stations. Um, One of the questions that did come up regarding hand washing was on temperature of the water and ambient temperature was uh, discussed by L&I and L&I uh, agreed that that's fine you don't have to have heated hot water to to have a hand washing station so you know as far as hand washing stations goes you got to have them you have to have them there and um, that was discussed with the ambient water the other thing that kept coming up was hand sanitizers versus hand hand washing in, in stations and if those are there those are adequate as well for compliance um, but a lot of the uh, sounds like there's several companies that haven't had this happen on any of the jobs we're representing, but where they're actually having hand sanitizers stolen out of the out of <laughs> yeah. the hands. So being mindful of that and understanding that you might have to go to to some extra precautions to protect that that product at this time mm-hmm. is valid and be mindful of that. So yeah. Well, and I think, so it sounds like we're almost in a good, better, best type of situation where obviously the, the best situation would be hot water with, with soap. And then the, the, what better, better. would be w- running water uh, yep. with soap. And then, then the good would be hand sanitizer that it does the job, but maybe not as sufficiently or completely. And we need to take, steps to make sure that it stays in place so Uh if that's something that we do to i don't know padlock Uh it in or whatever and and i I spoke i put out a video earlier today and i spoke with a a contact of mine and and his major recommendations simply put were number one face protection for everybody so if you're working on a job site everybody should be wearing a face mask and just anything so n95 is great uh full on on protection is great but if you can't have that even a scarf is better than nothing mm-hmm. uh, and then this, the second one had to do with with washing your hands and then hand sanitizer and then putting on these rubber gloves and then hand sanitizer again and then putting on your work gloves so that you're kind of locked in there with with multiple layers of, of disinfectant and then the last piece had to do with any sprays or any any disinfectants that we're using, that we actually look at the MSDS sheets for those products as we introduce them to the site, and that, we, uh, and that we're actually following the guidelines, the directions on the package, so that we, we are not using those incorrectly. We get comfortable with those products, and so a lot of times, like if I'm just gonna wipe some dust down, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter if my Simple Green is at a certain concentration in my spray. I'm just wiping stuff down. But when we're trying to kill viruses, mm-hmm. we need to make sure we have enough of the, the chemical in our mixture, mm-hmm. and we need to make sure we don't have so much that it's more likely to be a breathing hazard or 
react with other chemicals. Also pay attention because when we have different trades working in a similar area, we have different chemicals that can be happening and we want to pay attention to what, what's being sprayed around us because this is a time when we'd be likely to see uh, those things interact. So I want to go to David uh, Bame next. So David, what, what are you seeing? What advice would you give for folks who are struggling with this challenge? Uh, I, a couple things I want to kind of reiterate. I think you brought up of a good point. Uh, I think you strive for the best, you know, and try to do your best in every sing, single situation. And a lot of that means thinking of every single task you're doing on the job site and how can I do this to minimize exposure? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you may not have running water, you know, warm running water, but if you can have water and, and, wash your hands or if you can't have sanitizer you just try to do your best there like you said you can't do six feet on every task but do your best how can we accomplish this task and maximize social uh, distancing uh, at least for the short and in, in near terms um, there's a plethora of information out there Tony did write a fantastic document I want to reiterate what Rhett said um, I posted a couple uh, blog posts on our website that kind of outline the same types of things. Mm -hmm. The information's out there. It's easy to find. If you need any help, please, uh, you know, email either Tony or myself or anybody else to get that information. You One can other also find it on ABC like resources. Put out there. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was saying you can also find Tony's information on the ABC resources, the COVID resources page. Yeah. One other concept I think is important to remember, it's called standard precautions, and that's kind of a, it comes from the medical field. It's, it's assumed that everybody you come in contact with is infected. And that doesn't mean run away and be scared of them and not show them courtesy. But if you assume that everybody that you are coming in contact with is infected, mm -hmm. and that'll help you practice those precautions. It's no different than if you're going to the grocery store, or Costco, or Home Depot, yeah. practice social distancing, wear masks, Every time you get in and out of the car, wipe down your steering wheel, your car keys, your credit card, your gear shift, you know, disinfect if you're in a, in a lift to carry this over to construction. If you're in a lift, you're wiping down railings, you're trying not to share tools. Um, again, I, there's so many things to go over here, but I think of the two things that I would like to throw out there, if you can try, minimize your chance to, of exposure and think of standard precautions and practice those two, I think that, that would help along with a long constructions. So David, you bring up a great point that is just assume that everybody that you're coming into contact with does have the virus. But I would even add a, a counterpoint to that just on the human level, that when you go out in the world, make a point, a fit, an actual conscious point to smile at people and ask sure. them how they're doing and, and interact with people. Because I think we, we're going through this together, but in a lot of ways we're, we're completely separated. So I, I was at the grocery store and just uh, just talking to people and, and commenting on, you know, there's a woman, she had a fantastic bag. It was amazing. And, and I commented on it and she was smiling and cracking up. So just making sure that we're connecting with people and, and, uh, yeah, not, I agree. Every, not, every time I have gone out uh, yeah. to get essentials, I have thanked them for being there. Yeah. A checker yeah. at a grocery store stand or Costco or Home Depot or wherever we're going. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for being here. It does go a long ways because I, I feel like, they feel on an island at times, like they're forced to be there and they yeah. feel, you know, the gratefulness goes a long way, I think. So. And it does. I, I compare this to, to this situation, COVID situation is like the 9-11 of this era. That's, sure. it, it's, there are a lot of parallels. And it's and an it, event that's going to change everything. And in the same way that we, in that era, didn't want to let uh, the, the opposition make us afraid and and change our behavior that way we we still don't want to let covid win in this situation so we lose part of our humanity so just be careful with that i think that's that's just my smile two at people from six yeah. feet away yeah. uh tony so tony what would you add uh, i'm sure you see a lot of what's going on being the the first responder now inside of abc in the safety hub uh, what would you add to the conversation uh Boy, I would uh, just reiterate about using all the appropriate PPEs. Uh, I know in a lot of research that I've been doing, I mean, people are moving to having 100% glove use on job sites, uh, ensuring that you are using appropriate gloves for tasks, um, but your hands are always covered. Um, 
the bigger ones that seem to be popping up are the uh, having a screener at a job site to kind of screen people as they enter. Um, I know City of Seattle put out a uh, deal earlier for some of their uh, jobs for during their two-day shutdown that they're actually going to start requiring a uh, safety monitor to go around ensure that everybody's healthy and everybody's maintaining the six-footed uh, social distancing mm-hmm. um, you know the hand stations I've had a, a few questions about that you know how much is enough and it's like well you know how many portagons do you need on a job site you should you know yeah contact, contact those guys and ask them how many hand washing stations should we have set up and and double it i mean yeah that's fine if it's if it's not feasible to have it have something to where they can use some sort of hand sanitizer or disinfectant um, well and and tony to that point re- related to the stations i had yeah. said if we look at the the overall cost of hand sanitizer once the availability problem gets better even if we have uh individual bottles on here like bottles like this Right? Just yeah. hand these freaking things out, and and as the guys are coming on site, you you get one per day per person. That's that's fine, even if they abuse it, because the cost of this compared to the good that we're doing is relatively tiny. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, Mark wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of, and you kind of touched base on it earlier, is when it mm-hmm. comes to using disinfectants, mm-hmm. make sure to read the instructions. Yeah. It's not, you know, a lot of people when, you know, and I'm guilty of this around the house, a lot of times when you're using a disinfectant, you spray it and you wipe it. Yeah. Well, if you actually read some of the manufacturer instructions, you're actually supposed to either let it air dry before wiping or, you know, let it sit for a period of time, you know, a minute before you do, do any disturbance because you got to allow time for the chemicals to actually kill the viruses that you're trying to get rid of. So we, we have a question here uh, that, that is related to job site safety. And in my experience in general contracting, the approach that I always took and, and my understanding as, as it's laid down to us by the state is that the general contractor is ultimately responsible for safety on site. Uh, the general contractor has the responsibility to make sure that uh, the subcontractors are working safely and that at least they have a safety plan and they're following it. It's not necessarily the policing, uh, but there is some responsibility from the, the general level of enforcement. Um, and because I see the COVID challenge as just another safety hazard, it's new and it's not something that we're used to dealing with. Uh, my, my initial belief is that the general contractors uh, have a duty to make sure that we're actually considering this. So I, I've been in a number of situations where the, the response from the general contractor, because they still don't know how to deal with this, they'll say, do what the CDC says. Whatever, that's our policy. What You read it on the CDC site, that's what we're doing. But that is not a job hazard analysis. That is not a site-specific safety plan. Uh, there, there are no teeth in that, and there are, no, there are no details in that, and there are no rules. So from our, our panelists, uh, Glenn, do you, do you have any thoughts or, or comments on that topic? Hold on, Glenn. Okay, no, I unmuted you. No, so let's... you invited him to unmute himself. Oh, there, there we go. go. There you go. Uh, the site-specific safety plan, you've got to have a plan in place to deal with this, and it's got to be written. It's got to be trained on. You know, We train on it daily. And uh, earlier it was brought up that there's monitors now. When we do start back up, we'll have two people that are dedicated to nothing but monitoring mm-hmm. to ensure that the social distancing is taking place. The employees are wearing their masks. That's all those two people will do is basically be the uh, COVID cop on site. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another uh, employees that are going to be dedicated solely to cleaning and wiping and sterilizing surfaces. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely need to have it in place and be trained on daily. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay. And so I think part of the nature of the question, though, is if you are a subcontractor and you're working on a site where, where you feel like you're unsafe and the general contractor is not taking the issue seriously or they haven't caught up to it, uh, how should they be reacting or, or what, should, what action should they be taking? Rhett, 
Do you have any, any thoughts or comments on that topic? So I want to make sure I understand you correctly. What would the general contractor do in a case of a subcontractor not complying? The other what, way around. What should the subcontractor do if they feel like the general isn't keeping a safe job site? Uh, obviously, communication would be key. Uh, talking to the uh, safety coordinator, safety director, uh, supervisor, or lead. Um, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, each contractor has to look out for themselves uh, and provide the appropriate equipment and plans to in ensure that they're safe. And, uh, you know, moving forward, even if this uh, virus gets stifled eventually, this should be an eye opener for us all to ensure that we have better hygienic practices on every job site moving forward. Yep. Yeah, and I think the, the, the best we've done is ask people not to eat on site or not to spit on site or not to pee on site. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we do in construction. That's, that's the top of the, the bar, but this is a new era that we're in. Uh, so Corey, I just wanna ask if you would share a little bit about your experience here recently. Uh, don't, don't name any names, but Corey Hesseltine, if you would just share a little bit of your experience uh, and what you did and sort of the short resolution of how it's shaking out. Yeah, I, I'm happy to jump in here and no, I won't name any names, but we had one contractor in particular. Who are you with, Corey? Uh, Ecoelectric and Plumbing. So we have one contractor in particular that has somehow managed to find almost every one of their projects uh, to be essential. So, um, the, uh, so we're continuing to support them in that cause and we're asking for each project to be verified that it is essential. So either contacting the city or showing us some form of proof that it is an essential project and um, supporting them in that fashion. Mm -hmm. um, we ran into them trying to kind of conduct business as usual. So what that looked like is when we were on site, um, there was units that we were working in where there was other trades that were coming in and out of those units. So we typically have trade stacking where we cram a bunch of people together and, and normally that's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but, <laughs> but we accept it. We can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not really. So we called attention to it and then they, they brought out their safety officer, which was an independent consultant. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is probably about what, two weeks ago now, Jason. Yep. So we had a, a site walk and went through it with them and showed them, showed them our concerns and, they came back with their safety plan and it didn't really adequately address anything. Um, it just kind of said, all right, we're going to follow the CDC recommendations. And as such, you know, we, we recommend that everybody on the job site does. And then they, they said that they had hand washing stations, but they were located all the way across the job site. So that's another one that I would be looking for from a subcontractor uh, perspective is making sure that, those uh, sanitation equipment is in the work area where you're at and it's readily accessible, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times we lose sight on that and perspective is just like the Santa Clans when you've yeah. got to walk across the job site, you lose a lot of time. Well, and I think, I think that the short of, if we, we look at what the takeaways were for, for what you were demanding or what were your deal breakers, essentially you wanted access to the units for your people only. So, if you're working in a zone, no other trade is authorized to come in that zone and, yeah. and you have the authority to basically direct them to leave, yeah. uh, which, which is huge. And so was that received well? Initially, it was not. Initially, there was a lot of pushback on that, but we stayed our ground and kind of brought in outside resources such as Jason and, and facts and just kind of showed them, hey, this is a concern to us. And if not, then we're leaving the job site. Yeah. So ultimately they gave us what we wanted and I don't think that they lost any ground on their schedule. I think that in some ways it's probably more efficient for us now because we're allowed the time that we need to adequately do our work and aren't fighting people for positioning. Mm -hmm. So we get in, we get out yep. and uh, it's worked out well, honestly. And our guys actually really appreciate that we went to this extra effort to do all these extra steps. So now they're fully gloved, they're hundred percent face protection, um, throughout the job and we get our own little work area. Everybody stays clear of us on the job site. And right. I know we're electricians, so we're kind of prima donnas, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think the other part too, is that we're seeing a lot more creativity and scheduling. 
where we're more comfortable or willing to work off shifts or alternating shifts to kind of increase the, the space between trades. We have one question that is, uh, should we be thinking about a written section uh, regarding hygiene or COVID or pandemic in our safety manuals? So Travis, um, what, what, what yeah. do you think about that? No, that's a great, great question. Um, I believe we should be adding a section under both in our in your accident prevention program as well as your site-specific safety regarding protocols in place for these things we've been talking about, hand washing, hygiene, uh, just like you would do any other type of hazard assessment for that work activity. That's how I would see uh, uh, that happening. Um, you could do it through a job hazard analysis or a job safety analysis, but an actual program on how your company's addressing it would be something I would recommend putting into your program. Well, and I know we've been hearing a bit from people about uh, hygienic certifications you can get that mm -hmm. historically were for if you needed to work like in a clean room environment yeah. or in a hospital. Yeah, so if you're working in a hospital, then typically you have some level of training, some elevated level of hygienic training to go along with that, to allow you access to do that work. And I, I'm willing to bet that what we're going to see more of going forward is some level of that hygienic training be, be built into the core level of training, uh, sort of like the OSHA 10 or the OSHA 30, but uh, with some elements focusing on hygiene. Uh, Tony, do you have any thoughts on oh. where that might go? Or Travis, did you have a, a way yeah, in there? I wanted to follow up on that if I could. Yeah. Um, you know, I built a lot of ICRA plans for different contractors. ICRA is infection control risk assessment, and that's really what you're referencing there is these uh, plans of action for how are we going to contain the air movement within the facility? How are we going to contain any potential um, exposures from blood and other, other bodily fluids within that hospital? So relating whatever program you put together that, to add into your APP or your site safety program, I would look up some of those ICRA guidelines. There's a lot of them out there. Um, there's really not an ANSI guideline that, that standardize it or an OSHA guideline, but there's plenty of them out there from different different places that you can find and follow those because those really are, I agree, where we're going to be heading with this. You're going to, I believe, in those types of settings, you will have to have negative uh, pressure enclosements with, you know, six mil polyplastic that you're actually doing no different than you would right now for an infection control risk um, program. So I, I just like any other situation like this, I'm willing to bet we're going to see a whole slew of new certification programs, a uh, whole slew of new training programs. Mm -hmm. uh, so one question that we have uh, that probably is more appropriate for folks to share in the comments if you have an answer for it. Where's everybody getting their safety gear, their sanitizer, gloves, some of these items that are hard to purchase? So if anybody has mm -hmm. good resources for that, if you could just tap some of those in the comments, that would be appreciated. Yeah, we actually had a hard time finding gloves. Mm -hmm. We were waiting like a month and a half for them to show up because <laughs> When I do my blue, I need to keep my hands from getting blue. So I, I'd like to open up the uh, forum to questions. So in the case that folks have active questions that they're, they're working with, we're trying to, to reduce the amount of rambling that we're all doing. If I can walk back, you, we actually mm -hmm. missed one oh, that we, we had in one? the chat, Go for it. which was uh, from Jason Lang, who they do some window installation. Mm -hmm. And he said, basically, we can't stay six feet apart when we're doing that. It takes up to four people to, to lift these windows. Mm -hmm. So what are some precautions we can take for the specific kinds of work that mean we have to be closer than six feet? Mm -hmm. So if you have four people on one window, even if it's a pretty big window, what are some best practices that we could be using to keep safer? So, Tony, do you have a, a thought on that? I think uh, everything's going to be site specific, um, mm -hmm. and you're going to have to really think outside the box. Mm -hmm. um, I know there is a lot of equipment on the market that is underutilized in terms of trying to minimize stuff like that. I know a lot of guys have complained about. Uh, lifting beams into places that you know because they can't get a you know they can't get a forklift and it's like well okay but you're going to do it with guys on ladders why don't you get a material hoist that has the capacity to lift 500 pounds yeah and i, I think that's, that's a great 
you know, it's it's going to take that kind of thinking and rationale in order to accomplish what you're trying to do. So there's a lot of engineering. Unfortunately, there are going to be some situations where, you know, to, you got to have two guys in a man lift, for example, mm-hmm. where you're not going to be able to maintain that six feet. Yeah, so and I what, think that's that's a great point. You know, so it's it, it's just trying to think okay well what what steps do we need to do to take care of the individuals obviously you know wear all our ppe make sure they got their face masks or n95s or whatever you have you know uh anything short of going full tyvek suit you know yeah well even full tyvek suits i mean that's not the end of the world it you may be a little tough to find right now (laughs) but i think that the bigger concept that you're pushing here is don't just accept the way that we've always done it as yeah. as the only way that we can do it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different options. I know that there are these awesome little spider cranes that you can drive around and they have these little four outriggers. It's like a walk behind unit and it's for installing big pieces of glass. But yeah. a lot of those little portable cranes could be repurposed or even if you're working with uh, winching or some kind of claw that could help you grab the tops of the windows to do the majority of that lifting work that could save your back. So looking at using equipment where you wouldn't otherwise, but now it can maybe stop us from having to put people together. Mm -hmm. Glenn, did you have any thoughts on that, on this topic in terms of when we have work that kind of necessitates close proximity? Almost there, Glenn. Hmm? There we go. Unmute. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing, you know, we'll have walls that we have to tilt up and it might take 15 guys shoulder to shoulder to tilt those walls. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of doing that, we put a truss uh, boom on a forklift to lift those walls when we can do it or we have a crane in place. It's going to cost more. It's going to take a little more time. But in the long run, it is actually safer because you don't have the guys stacked side by side and they're not lifting that weight up. You don't have the op- uh, opportunity for it to fall. So. Mm-hmm. It's just like Tony was saying, you got to think outside the box. You're going to have to spend a little bit of money to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, and so question that I have actually for you, Jason, although mm-hmm. you could throw this out there too. So if we are, have agreed to do a piece of work, if mm-hmm. we're a subcontractor and we've agreed to do this piece of work, and now the only way we can do it while keeping people more than six feet apart mm-hmm. is by running this equipment and it makes it more expensive to do it, mm-hmm. does that count as an impact that we could actually be able to mm-hmm. – well, I, I would say probably nor, in, in the normal world, that would be a yes. Mm-hmm. But in the throes of, of this situation, it's probably more like a no in mm-hmm. that we would get closer to extra time, but not necessarily extra money. Because this is hitting everybody mm-hmm. and we kind of all have to share the risk of it. Yeah, but I would be talking to the general contractor, talking mm-hmm. to any of the associated trades so that if we have to go out of pocket to uh, pay for extra equipment, I would try to see, is there any way that we can we can share in this cost or, or spread that cost out? Well, and especially because if we have a good relationship and we have conversations mm-hmm. with the generals about this, it could be that uh, the general actually has several different trades on site that could all make use of this equipment mm-hmm. and, and we could kind of find a way to split that cost between us as opposed to just taking it all on ourselves. Yeah. So I, I want to go to uh, Nigel. Yeah, this if, was a good question. If we could get a little bit more more clarity on the question. So, Nigel, if you could unmute, and, and you've asked, has LNI deemed temperature screening a requirement, or is this going to be a best practice? So can you just clarify what it is that you're, you're after? Yeah, just in uh, employee screening, when people are coming on the job site, we've talked about it internally. Um, do we want to screen, or should we be screening everybody coming onto the job site? And mm-hmm. um, I think I heard talk earlier, somebody had mentioned they had gotten some guidance recently from L&I, and I was curious if that, if that topic was discussed and, and what the recommendations are for that. So by a show of yes-no, just using the yes-no tool for our panelists, or frankly for anybody else, anybody. If, if you have a, a good answer to that question, you feel like weighing in, could you just click the yes? I know some of the conversation that I've been hearing about other countries mm-hmm. and how they're dealing with this is that sort of slowly as they reach that latter part of the curve, mm-hmm. we're seeing where temperature screening is becoming very common in some of those places. You know, We don't have to put a thermometer in our mouth anymore. There are a lot of ways we can do it that are quick and easy. Um, but I'd be curious to know what what we're hearing. Yeah. Tony? So, Tony, what do you got? I, I think you're going to see that become more of a norm, especially mm-hmm. with the availability of the no-touch temperature 
thermometers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there again, the the question is, is what happens when you record something like that? And, you know, obviously your liability is, is uh, making sure that you follow the HIPAA laws and keep that information confidential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because not everybody is always going to present other symptoms mm-hmm. other than a fever. You know, but if you suspect or you question, I mean, it should be a requirement to to allow them to continue to work because you don't want that contamination on your job site. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you should be encouraging them to go sit at home, get well, and get back to work. Um, so I, I see a note from, uh, is it Mary Barrero? Uh, she says that she saw a WS dot contract yesterday that has a force account in it uh, for COVID nineteen for subcontractor capped at twenty five hundred dollars. So these are state contracts where they're basically creating a placeholder uh, cost code with a cap to address money that we would spend toward that that COVID. To sort item. of acknowledge that we're going to be spending more money and and mm-hmm. allow for that. So is it Mary? It's Mari, yeah. Mari? Okay, Mari, I'll have to bring back my high school Spanish. Uh, so did you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, no, I just um, I just ran across that um, yesterday. Specific, I just found it kind of like it stuck out because it specifically mm-hmm. said it's labeled as COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was um, also talking with Hensel Phelps, who has also relayed that they have are actually making sure that there is um, that in there in the contracts as well. So at least there's talk about that and for us subcontractors to be able to try to get some support if the, if, if the general is not providing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we talked about this concept last week, maybe, where we're seeing new proposals coming up. There are a lot of people who are still bidding and estimating pretty hot, hot and heavy. And uh, the, the recommendation we had is trying to create some sort of allowance or placeholder for, for COVID or for additional safety requirements. Even when we get free of, of this immediate issue, there's still going to be a transitionary period where we have to, to proceed a little bit more carefully. Right. So is anybody else seeing that, that sort of issue? Glenn, are you, are you seeing or hearing anything about dollars as it relates to safety precautions? Oh. Did I unmute? Yes. Okay, good to go. <laughs> Unmuted, we can hear you. Yeah, no, I don't get involved in that at all, but I wanted to comment on the, the um, temperature checks as they come <laughs> through the gate. We are um, purchasing those so that we can check them as they come through the gate also. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, we'll also check them again on the way out so that we can make sure that if they're gotten during the day, run a fever, then we want them to stay home. Mm-hmm. Got so. it. So what is that? And I don't know if anyone here knows. What does that look like from like a health and privacy standpoint mm-hmm. at this point? Are you allowed to refuse to have your temperature mm-hmm. taken? Well, I, I'd be willing to bet you're, you're allowed to refuse it, but you're probably but going home. then you just home. can't come on site. Yeah. yeah. So I actually want to go to Dale. Uh, so Dale Sharp, uh, if you could just weigh in here a little bit. You could unmute. So you shared something about uh, DOSH directive. Well, Got to go. unmute, Dale. Yeah, I think he's working on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Okay. There he is. Right. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Yeah. The on Tuesday night, we probably all saw the new DOSH directive that came out, and it talked in particular to the screening process, the surveillance process, saying that we have that ability to set up initial screenings and then periodic reviews, probably daily, it said, mm-hmm. with the COVID. And then to expound on that a little bit, everything I've understood uh, allows us to take those temperatures, to ask these questions under the guise of COVID protection. Mm-hmm. And we can't announce who it is that we're screening or the who goes home because they're sick but we certainly have that right as employers and the expectation according to this new dosh directive yeah and that's that's another good point Mm -hmm. is that if someone is testing for covid uh or if they test positive 
that we are supposed to tell everyone on site that someone is testing, that someone is positive, but we are absolutely not supposed to say who because there is some kind of medical privacy there. And we've been aware of several large job sites where the whole job site gets shut down because mm -hmm. someone tested positive. Uh, and, and I think from an HR perspective though, uh, the, the history books will look back on this time and, and side with the people who are siding on safety. So mm -hmm. if, if you're taking the conservative approach of making sure that uh, people are safe, if you are taking temperatures when maybe you're not supposed to be, you know, not aggressively, well, again, you you're not are, fighting you them to the like ground. You can't force temperature them. But, but, but you, are, you are standing up on the side of safety, uh, then I think that you're going to be in a much better position in that regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a question from uh, Darren, and the question has to do with CARES Act and whether or not it will help cover issues related to COVID for lost production and what have you. And I think the answer here related to that piece is that uh, the CARES Act is intended to address a specific period of time. And as it's written right now, it's not it's not intended or written to be forever. It's not going to make up for all of the lost production that we're going to experience in the future, uh, but it's just for that discrete period of time. It's better than nothing. Uh, and, and some people are actually making changes to benefit from it. All right, uh, other questions that we have. So our, our panelists, do we have other pieces that we wanna weigh in on? No? So any other thoughts or questions that we have today? I feel like it was pretty good conversation. Dale, what did you have? Oh, I, I would you say something. Hold on, hold on, Tony. Let's just wrap up with Dale here. I'm sorry, Tony, to interrupt you, but I wanted to ask where are people finding success and finding uh, temporal no-touch thermometers? Mm -hmm. So that's Anybody a good question. So does anybody, by a show of yes, no, have a, have a response to that? Where can we find no-touch thermometers? Click yes if you have any resources that, that you're willing to share because <laughs> you gotta wait till you get yours, right? I got mine. Uh, Yuki? I've, I've ordered some, but... Travis, you ordered some? Oh, we got yeah. Travis's cat. I don't have them yet. <laughs> we'll see if they actually show up. Can you share where you ordered them from? Online from actually eBay, so we'll see what happens. Oh, uh, <laughs> I ordered them about a week ago. They're supposed to be here by Saturday, it's set, so we'll see. Got it. Uh, Yuhi, did you have a, a good source for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Milwaukee Tool does do a temperature thermometer, um, but based on your needs, mm -hmm. if you need to be within a certain range, then we may or may not be able to meet that requirement. We do have a thermal thermometer that uh, uses like a, a laser pointer and also a thermal imaging thermometer. Mm -hmm. um, last I heard, we are still um, able to ship them out and they're still available, but that might have changed from, from last week. Mm -hmm. Are those for people? Yeah, so it just depends on what your, the range tolerance of what you want it to be accurate to. So right. it, it measures, one of the thermal imagers measures outside like surface temperature, mm -hmm. um, but then the other one also, it measures internal temperature too through, through the thermal imaging scope. Um, we have recommended like healthcare workers, those that are in, in the healthcare industry mm -hmm. to not use the one that's the surface temperatures be, just because it doesn't give you a like extremely accurate read for the internal temperature, which is what people are typically looking for. So there, there's a question from Donna asking, who deems a job essential and what is the criteria? I know that we went into this in more mm -hmm. depth on our first forum. It was uh, what, March, was it March 23? And there is a good bit of information on ABC's resources page. It's mm -hmm. one of the first links that talks about um, what makes a job essential. Mm -hmm. The who deems it essential, mm -hmm. basically what this is, is you need to be able to verify based on that criteria that we're given, mm -hmm. whether or not it, you qualify. And basically, 
we have inspectors who are letting people know when they are incorrect. Mm -hmm. Also, another thing that's worth being aware of is that there is now a Washington State website mm -hmm. where anyone who wants to can report specifically a construction site where people are working, where the people do not, where whoever's reporting it does not feel that it's essential. So if you deem your job essential, you need to feel very confident that it really does fit mm -hmm. that criteria we've been given because they are absolutely shutting jobs mm -hmm. down when that is not the case. And, and you can look at the resources to get the specifics of it, but the short of it is what an essential project is, is does it help the infrastructure of the people? Are we supporting first responders? Are we building hospitals? Are we building fire stations? Are we uh, supporting plumbing and infrastructure and water and trash? All of those things that it takes to keep uh, a people healthy, right? Or are we working on some ritzy new tower? that, that uh, we're gonna dump a bunch more people in after this thing clears. Uh, so go ahead and look up in the resources for that definition. So Dale, did you have something you wanted to share? Am I unmuted? Yep, go yes. for it. Okay, well, um, yeah, I raised my hand for one thing, but I just found out that my temporal thermometer that I ordered on March 30 shipped and should be here, well, it's out for delivery. All right. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and this was the third one I ordered. And then after I'd ordered, I'd wait a week and then I'd get a notice saying my order was canceled. Yeah. Yep. So um, um, this was this is good news. And uh, if anybody wants to know where I got that, I can let them know. Yeah. So um, uh, there were there was an agency. Adosh. Uh, there was an agency that uh, you had mentioned. So that was Dosh. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Department of. Safety, and, Safety health. and health. Yeah. Got it. So does anybody have any other questions, any other safety concerns that, that they would like addressed? If you could just use the yes button or, or raise your hand there, that'd be appropriate. But any, any specific safety concerns that they're working with, that you're working with, that you need some support on, or you feel like you're pretty solid? Good to go? All right. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate everybody's time. Uh, what about travel in cars? So Aaron, uh, what, what is your question? Are we talking about it? Uh, like wondering about, yeah, like to and from a project. Uh, so you have a crew mobilizing to a project. Um, can they commute together? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, would think. Obviously not six feet apart. You're not yeah, six I would feet think apart. it would be no. I would mm -hmm. think that that generally speaking that those guidelines would say you need to be in separate vehicles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot less carpooling. Uh, the carpooling parking spaces are empty. Uh, carpool lanes should be empty unless we have family mm -hmm. members and those sorts of things. And I know some companies are taking the approach that uh, we're all we're all agreeing to to not meet with people outside of our company. So if we have a small company and we do work together and we do work in close proximity, as long as all of those people on those teams are, are kind of isolating themselves by team, then they're kind of taking that approach, whether that's right or wrong. And whether the, it's legal or mm -hmm. not. <laughs> can't, can't speak to that, but that's, that's one we approach. But that. by and large, uh, we should be driving separately and burning more fuel in the name of trying to, to save more folks. more parking. Yeah. So Tony had his hand up. Yeah, Tony, what'd you have? Oh, well, what I was gonna say is, so the published guidelines on that, from what I understand, is they want you to minimize travel as much as possible. Um, if you do have uh, a crew that does typically travel site to site together, mm -hmm. there's nothing discouraging them from doing a ride share. Mm -hmm but make it as minimal as minimally impactful as possible. Mm -hmm. So meaning that, you know, if you'd normally send them in a caravan of, you know, two vehicles, maybe, it, maybe you send them in three or four. Yeah. You know, it just, just depends on your certain, your certain, but you, they're not telling you not to do it. They just want you to minimize it as much as possible. Yeah, and I see a comment from Mari, Mari, uh, <laughs> that that they're wiping their trucks down before and after each shift. Uh, another another piece that I've recommended is if we have groups of people working together, keep those teams together so that even if we have an outbreak, it's limited to that smaller team. So if you have if you have groups of people 
you're keeping those people together and not just mixing everybody mm -hmm. up based on the demand of the specific job. So that kind of isolates that, that risk. So one piece I want to throw out, I know that next week uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the challenge of working remotely. So I know many mm -hmm. folks have some, some uh, struggles with that, working with their teams, staying connected, being productive. So we're going to talk about that next week. But we're also always looking for additional topics or, or areas where people are struggling. So if everybody would just be so kind as to share something in the comments or to me privately about what are the current challenges that you're seeing right now? What do you need help with? Uh, where is a place that ABC could step in and provide guidance and information? It would be super valuable to us. So feel free to, to take a moment to do that. appreciate everybody's time here. So special thanks to all of the, uh, the panelists here. Yeah, we've kind of covered uh, all of the things that, that kind of initially had occurred to us when mm -hmm. we talked about this. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you to Glenn, to Tony, to, to David Bame, uh, Rhett, and Travis Brock. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate you making the time. Uh, feel free to stick around after if you have any other other comments or questions. Tony, what did you have before we go? Just one one thing. So I've spent the last couple of weeks working on a document. It's a uh, COVID-19 response plan. It's a uh, combination of best practices and things that you should be doing mm -hmm. on the job. It should be posted on our website mm -hmm. and available for all the members. So if you're looking for something to add to your APP, mm -hmm. um, you know, go ahead, use it. It's uh, for you guys there to take a look and see what you think. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried to make, I, I, it's a little long, but I tried to come up with all the, you know, play the devil's advocate and what if and when, mm -hmm. you know, so what happens from everything from being proactive and preventative to, okay, now we have a, a positive test. What do we do now? So there's a lot of good information there. Yeah. And I, I see a question from Tyler asking about online safety courses during downtime. Do you know, Tony, if there are any resources that we have access to, or is that in the works for folks it, who are it's at in, home? It's, it's in the works. Uh, I've been in contact with, uh, um, with a couple of safety consultants trying to figure out uh, doing something by Zoom, quick trying to get something coordinated. Uh, we're going to be looking at some other online options as well. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, Rhett, I think you had one more thing. Absolutely. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I'm, I know everybody, this is uh, on everybody's radar, but if we do incorporate site-specific procedures that require the use of N95 respirators, that is going to require uh, medical surveillance, uh, fit testing, training for our employees, we can always have a voluntary program uh, where we say, hey, you can if you want, but we all know how that goes. So while we move into this new era, uh, depending on how long this virus lasts, make sure uh, you do have documentation in line as employers uh, regarding uh, all of the above on respiratory uh, as outlined in WAC, uh, because I know that the department may be looking at that for additional citations, and that can open up a can of worms. Right. Got it. Well, and that's a really good point. All right. Well, if anybody had... I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, uh, what you just said, uh, what if it's not the N95, but just some other sort of face mask? Mm -hmm. So can you, can you repeat so the question? Surgical masks uh, don't restrict the breathing area. I, I, we would have to go back in and look and... Uh, of interpretation with WAC. I don't know if anybody else has any comments on that as well, uh, but uh, there may be some guidelines on surgical masks versus N95s. Does anybody have any other comments on that? Dale, you have something? Well, the, the CDC recommendations is that we avoid using surgical masks and N95s just so that we're not Lost you a little bit there toward the end. Oh, so uh, the, the CDC is recommending that we not use the surgical masks nor the N95s because the healthcare providers need them more than we do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, bandanas, absolutely. face masks. Yeah, my, yeah. And, yeah, and that's why even the, the homemade uh, 
face masks, that's better than nothing. Uh, yeah. Anybody with a sewing machine can start cranking those out pretty easily. Um, and I, I think uh, what Dale made a, a really relevant comment to me, and we can talk more about it next week, is the value of getting up, going for a walk, getting some exercise, stretching, breathing, all that good stuff. It is super valuable right now. So make sure we, we take time to do that. Spend time with that baby rat and the dog uh, and, and just, you know, take some time out for yourself because it's, it's tough mm -hmm. right now. All right. So I really appreciate everybody's time. We're trying to keep it tight. Also, uh, for you, for anyone who's interested, uh, we've been asked to remind you that there's an upcoming legal action committee course mm -hmm. on bid mistakes and bid protests with Bob Marconi from Ashbaugh Beal on Wednesday, April 15th, 11.15 a.m. to 1.15 p.m. Uh, there is a charge to attend the class, so registering through abcwestlaw.org is optimal, mm -hmm. but you can also register by emailing Janessa. And we also have our virtual training sessions that we're running. I know we saw some of you, Eric and Nigel, and, mm -hmm. uh, but if anybody's interested in virtual training, check us out, hit the uh, website, and we will put this video up later so that everybody can see it in, in the case that you have folks who missed out. But we really appreciate everybody's time. Thanks so much for attending and participating. And we will see everybody next week. Good to see everybody. Stay well, stay healthy.